Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Cedar Valley Church. My name is Grant, one of the pastors here, and we are so excited that you've chosen part of your morning to uh, get together with us online. If this is one of your first times here, a special welcome to you. We would love to get to know you better. And one of the best ways that you can help us do that is sending us a message here or emailing us at hello at cedarvalley.ca. Or you can just really, this is actually for everybody, you can head over to our website, cedarvalley.ca, where you can get all the information you might need, like past church episodes, devotionals, ways to get in contact with us, uh, methods of giving online. We've made that as easy as possible for you. So cedarvalley.ca, that's one of the best ways to stay up to date with us. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram as well. And you know what? This is our 12th episode of Church Online. And that's significant because 12, 12 is an important number. It's 12 months in the year, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 disciples, 12 days of Christmas. And so in order to celebrate that, uh, I'm going to bring to you, I've got three tips for how to best do church online like this. So point number one, we do church every Sunday at 10 a.m. We broadcast it uh, on Facebook, YouTube, and our website, cedarvalley.ca. Now it is true. You can watch these services after they've gone live at any point. They're available on demand probably for the rest of history, but it is important and it's a great benefit. If you set your alarm, get up at 10 a.m., join us for church, the commute's not very far, hop online, because that's where the party's at, all the commenting's going on, you're part of building community and you'll benefit from that discipline. So join us for church at 10 a.m. Point number two, this one's good. So if you're engaging in this service and uh, the music's just going really good, you're just welling up with emotion or there's a point happening in the sermon that you're just resonating with and you wanna shout it out a right on or amen, if you're gonna say it out loud, either you gotta say it loud enough for your neighbors to hear or head over to the comment section and just blow it up, right? Just tell people what you're feeling, throw a comment on there, type it in and amen. It's powerful, it's beneficial, it lets other people know how you're engaging. If you have a question or a point or a statement, hit up the comment section. So point number two, blow up the comments. And point number three, all right, evangelism is not dead because of COVID. In fact, you can still invite your friends and neighbors to church even easier than before. With Facebook, it's one click, you hit the share button, or you can start a watch party, let people know that you're going to church and there's a spot for them because you don't have to make sure we've got enough seats, right? There's not, you don't have to scooch down even on the pew, right? They can do it from the comfort of their own home. So evangelism is alive and well during COVID. Invite your friends and neighbors to church. So with all that being said, all right, we're in for a great service. We're gonna have some music uh, be led in a time of worship real soon here. There's gonna be lyrics on the screen so you can engage however you feel comfortable. After that, we have an awesome lesson for the kids, a great activity from Pastor Doug, and we're wrapping up with a great message from Pastor Rob with some prayer. And just before we do that, come with me for a sec. All right, everyone, I'm here with Dave. This is our communications manager here at Cedar Valley Church. And uh, while he's been super important for us these days, answering just plethora of emails, answering tons of phone calls, because right now we're doing all of our communications remotely, we're so thankful to have him around. He also moonlights as a skip the dishes driver. And well, moonlighting, probably more daylighting, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah and you know, it, with, uh, with a lot of restaurants now, they're just starting to reopen, but for the past few months, they've been doing uh, takeout and delivery only. It's something that I'm sure a lot of us have really jumped on. And so you've probably been busier than ever, Dave. How many deliveries do you do typically on a shift? Probably around 10 to 12. 
Probably closer to 12. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. sweet. Yeah. So that's a lot of back and forth yeah. trying to throw a mission, hey? It is. Yeah, and uh, where are people getting most of their deliveries from these days? Definitely Mission Hill Sushi is the, the busiest for, for Skip It. Sushi, yeah. right, yeah, I, I don't have the confidence to make sushi myself at home, okay. so I gotta take Mission Hills up on that. Mm -hmm. So Mission Hills Sushi. Uh, when you're delivering the food, I'm sure your car is just filling with all the aromas, stuff like that, like I feel like that would just make me so hungry all the time. What's your favorite food to deliver? Like what gets you hungry and just? Um, probably pizza. Pizza just smells so good in the car, and oh. yeah, it just makes me really hungry. Probably adds value to the car, hey? Yeah. <laughs> oh, do you ever take a bit of a delivery tax? You know, you're just getting too hungry, you sample it. No, I don't. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Well, you know what, Dave? Um, we are appreciative of the delivery efforts that you and a lot of other drivers are, are putting out there. I'm sure many of you have taken up the opportunity and just talking about food delivery now is making me a bit hungry. Uh, so you know what, I'm curious, for all of you watching live right now, uh, head over to the comments section, let us know what one of your favorite places to get delivery from, where should I order food this afternoon for lunch? Uh, yeah, and so you know what, thanks for joining in, thanks for tuning in Cedar Valley, we're gonna have a great service. Cedar Valley, welcome here. I'm um, super, super thankful that you're here with us. I just invite you to sing along this morning.
morning 
that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the Hey there Cedar Valley kids, it is good to see you again today and we've got another great Bible lesson ahead of us here. First of all, what we're going to need is a few of the supplies and I hope you're going to join me because it's going to be great. What you're going to need is a glass right here about this size, anything like that will do. Some vegetable oil, I've got pure canola oil but I'm sure any brand will do. Then you will need maybe a couple of different colors of food coloring two or three or four or five, whatever you like, and a spoon. Don't forget a towel because there may be some spills, then you can clean those up right away. But, we've, but before we get to that, I have something to show you. Do you have any idea what this is? I'll turn it around to look, show it to you just a little bit here. That's right, it's a plate. Now it's not just any plate, this is a keep your food separate kind of plate. And do you know what? When I was a kid, I didn't like any of the food on my plate to touch. So I would push all my food into the corners as good as you can on a round plate so separately so they wouldn't touch. And then you know what? When I got a little bit older, I still like to keep my food separate. So my wife Jenny, she got me this keep my food separate plate. And I use it every once in a while. And thinking about this plate, keeping things separate, it got me thinking about separating things. Now, not just food, but I started thinking about keeping ourselves separate from sin. Now, what does that look like? Well, I want to tell you, and I want to show it to you a little bit here, what that might look like. So if we have this on this side here, 
we've got a glass here and we're going to call this glass here, we're going to call this the world. Now this isn't the part where you help me yet or be involved, so just wait. We're going to call this the world, right here. And you know, the world, as it talks about in the Bible, the world isn't the beautiful trees and the incredible huge mountains and the wonderful flowers and the lakes and the rivers. When the Bible talks about the world, it usually talks about the people who don't know God or who don't want to know or follow God. That's what it means when it talks about the world. So here's the world. And here's us. So we're going to take, I'm going to take this here and we're going to just kind of get right into this world that is all around us. And you can see us in there and, you know, we're going to put a few different colors in. And because, you know, each of us are colorful people and we have different neat th ways we look and things that we do. And we get in the world there and at first you can tell a big difference about us and the world. But you know what happens? If we leave Jesus in church, which really shouldn't happen, he should go with us everywhere, but sometimes we just kind of leave him for Sunday. We don't take him everywhere we go. You know what happens? We get in the world and at first they can see that we're a little bit different, but then things happen and we get mixed around in the world. You can't even tell the difference. We're just all mixed in. Nobody can tell that we're any different than the bad things that people say, the bad things that people do in the world, and they don't care. And you know what? People can't tell the difference at all. So, what do we do? Do we just stay away from the world? No, not at all. Jesus says completely the opposite. Listen to this. He says in the Bible, in John chapter 17, verse 18, this is when he's talking to his father, which is God. He says, just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world so that the world may believe. And you know, when Jesus was talking about them, he was talking about us. That's right, us going into the world to make a difference, but being separate. Now, we're going to try this again. And this is where you get to help. You've got your glass here and you've got your vegetable oil. And open it up and fill your glass maybe about two-thirds full. We'll just let it glug there for a little bit. Careful that you don't spill because this is kind of slimy stuff. All right, great. Then, so here's our world. Now we're going to be a part of that world. So very carefully take some of your food coloring and just put a couple drops in. There we go there. I put four of the green. I'm going to do some red. I'm going to drop some red ones in there. Look at that. And how about some blue? We're colorful people. Look what happens 
when we go into the world, you know, when we hang out with people who, well, they don't believe in Jesus yet, and some of them, they don't even want to believe or follow Jesus, but we go in there, and if we bring Jesus with us, if we keep him in our heart, and we listen to what he says in the Bible, and we believe in him, and let him live through us wherever we go, we're right in the world, but people can see that we're different. Now, what happens if we kind of get mixed up in the world and, and hang out with people? I'm going to stir this up. You know what happened last time I stirred it up? Well, let's stir this up. Take your spoon and just kind of stir it around here. See what happens? We're still different, but we're right in the world with the people who need to hear about Jesus. And if you look really close, and if you stir, stir just a little bit harder, you'll see that we have more people in the world who are different, who believe in Jesus. Now all of a sudden just those few have become a whole bunch and they're right in the world. And they're not talking and saying the bad things that some of the people in the world do or doing the bad things of disrespect. But we're believing in Jesus, but we're right in the world. And now people can see that we're different because we believe in Jesus, but we're still their buddies and we hang out with them because we want them to believe in Jesus too. How cool is that? That now, what Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 18, I'm sending them right into the world so that the world may believe. When we bring Jesus with us into the world, wow, incredible things happen. And we're gonna stir one last time. And you see, we didn't mix in and not doing the bad things that the world does, but there's more and more people who are believing in Jesus so others can believe too. That's one of the greatest things ever. That is super cool. Now, while the adults, well, they watch Pastor Rob preach a great message from the Bible, I want you to do something. I want you to take out a piece of paper and I want you to write down maybe some ways that you could be in the world, but separate from the bad things that people in the world do so that people might believe in Jesus. Think about that for a little bit. What you could do so that people would believe because you're different than the people who do the bad things and they can believe in Jesus too. How awesome is that? Well, thanks for listening so well this morning and helping me with the lesson and we'll see you next week. Bye. Lord, uh, listen, where are you? Don't hide from me in these days of trouble. I'm calling out, like, please answer. There have been so many losses, like too many losses. Loss of connection, people are dying, and I can barely connect with those who live. No hugs, no handshakes, no high fives, it's ridiculous. 
loss of structure, the groove and rhythm of my days and weeks have been blown apart. Loss of control. I feel like a victim. I know I'm not, but I feel like it. I feel like so much is decided for me. Loss of feeling productive. I am grateful to be working, but my ability to do what I need to do and my energy to do it have been greatly impacted by all the losses that I just mentioned. To quote your psalmist, my days vanish like smoke. Psalm 102 verse 3, I am burned up by the up and the down of these days, sometimes surviving them and sometimes striving in them. My enemies are my circumstances and the fear of uncertainty. And sometimes my enemy is me. Sometimes I forget that you are in control, that you have held me, you will teach me, that you, you have a future for me. Sometimes I get stuck, letting my feelings drive me instead of driving them. Fear takes hold and I, I can feel it in my bones. And then sometimes I get so preoccupied with what I've lost that uh, I miss what's right in front of me. But you are God. You endure forever. You see what's going on from your eternal perspective. This is not the end, not the end of me, not the end of your church, not the end of you. You'll help us through. You'll help us to move on. To quote your psalmist again, you will arise and have compassion on us. Psalm 102 verse 13. Because you are God. You are faithful to your word and you are faithful to your people. You will never leave me nor forsake me. You will be with me until the very end of the age. Generations to come will know that you've helped to move us on and move us forward. I've already been telling my family and friends. I've been praying, quoting another one of your psalmists. Get, or rather God, met me more than halfway. He freed me from my anxious thoughts. And you have. So I pray, do not forget me or your promises to me and for those who are coming after me because you are God and I need you. Titles can be telling. Book titles, movie titles, hashtags. For instance, do androids dream of electric sheep? That's a book title that led to a cult film classic. Do you know it? Blade Runner, Inception. I didn't even know this was a word, let alone a, a really cool concept and a really good movie. Hashtag, 
hashtag photo of the day. I wonder what that's about. The title for Psalm 102 in book four of the book of Psalms is a prayer of an afflicted man when he is faint and pours out his lament before the Lord. (laughs) And so it is, actually. This psalm is the exception to the rule in book number four in the book of Psalms. You may remember me telling you way back in the day when we began this teaching series that the book of Psalms has an overall arc to it, a movement from lament to praise. This happens a lot within specific psalms, and it happens progressively from book to book within the book of Psalms, from books one, two, and three, which are dominated by laments, to books four and five, which are dominated by praise. Psalm 102 stands as this this odd, singular lament in book number four. The author of Psalm 102 is anonymous. He borrows tone and phrase from the most afflicted of Old Testament characters to our knowledge, who is Job. And he borrows many phrases from other Psalms. Evidently, there was no uh, copyright issues at the time. The Psalm describes Jerusalem or, or Zion in a state of ruin. Now, it's not clear whether this state is literal or metaphorical. Either way, the psalmist is writing from the point of view of crisis. So he begins with a plea for the presence of God. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Do not hide your face. Incline your ear. Answer me speedily. Which kind of sounds disrespectful, doesn't it? I mean, Who's calling the shots here, the psalmist or the Lord? The psalmist makes God sound like his servant, not vice versa, which I think we can understand. When we're in crisis, it's about urgency and who can help us. We're not worried about asking for things with the right words, with deference and politeness. If our house is burning down, we don't call 911 and say, hey, uh, how you doing? Oh, what's my emergency? Hey, thanks for asking. Um, my house is on fire. Uh, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind sending some firefighters to come over to put it out for me. I mean, if they're not too busy, and I, and I hope I'm not calling at a bad time. No one says this. They call 911 to get help. Words tumble out. The psalmist calls on God for help. Words tumble out. But... The good news is he's gone to the right person for help. And that person, God, doesn't turn him away. So the psalmist then goes on comfortably and confidently because he knows God to describe his pain to God. My days vanish like smoke. My heart is blighted because of my loud groaning. Wow. I am reduced to skin and bones. You can find those references in verses 3 to 7 in Psalm 102. And then the pain that he names is his enemy, and the pain his enemy causes him. They taunt him. They curse his name. He mourns constantly, ashes and weeping, sort of marks of mourning, were as familiar to him as food and drink. They were his diet. His mourning made worse by his sense that his affliction was some kind of punishment from God. Bad theology, but it sounds familiar, doesn't it? 
but pronouns I and me and my, which dominate verses 1 through 11, give way to pronouns you and he, beginning in verse 12. You sit enthroned forever, verse 12. You will arise and have compassion, verse 13. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute, verse 17, because he is God. He is deliverer. Let this be written for a future generation, the psalmist says, that the Lord looked down, verse 19, that he sees us and he hears us, hears the groans to release those condemned to death, verse 20. The psalmist here declares God's deliverance even before it happens because he knows, does Anonymous, that he's too weak to help himself. Broken strength, days cut short, verse 23. He appeals to God as the only one who has the power to cut short his pain rather than to take his life. So he ends in prayer. He pleads for God's mercy in verse 24, and he places his hope in God's eternal power for himself and for generations to come, verses 25 to 28. Lament to praise. Lament to praise. The psalmist began with an honest declaration of his own misery. Then he switched pronouns. He concentrated on the nature of God and God's power and goodness. Then he saw himself as he was, broken and, and cut short, he, needing help. So he prayed for mercy. And then his heart, settled by what he'd already prayed, finished his prayer this way. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established for you. Verse 28. In other words... Because the future of the godly is tied up with God himself and with God's promises, the psalmist praised God in that he trusted God to be true to the children of your servants, that they would dwell and be rooted in God's presence. Lament to praise. This is the pattern of this psalm, Psalm 102. This is the pattern of the psalm I wrote, which I read to you at the beginning of this teaching. Last week, we talked about moving on versus getting over, and two mental spiritual health hacks to survive and to thrive during this pandemic, to name your losses and to step into what you value. This is part two of that teaching, the part where we consider some specific applications. So name your losses with God. Some time ago, I was feeling very afflicted. I felt lost. I felt like God had hidden from me. I was doing all the things I knew to do to draw close to him. Solitude, prayer, fasting, reading the Bible, listening to worship music, meeting with other believers, seeking godly counsel. I was experiencing what some writers 
have called the dark night of the soul, but little changed in doing those spiritual disciplines. I do remember, though, one day when I prayed in our family room, I pushed the ottoman into the middle of the room, dropped to my knees in front of it, and folded my upper body into it, collapsing my head into my hands, my elbows resting on the ottoman, crying, desperate. I I prayed a prayer very much like verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 102, hurt and angry and scared. I poured it out. Here's what I experienced. A loosening of the tension in my muscles, a slowing of my breathing and my heart rate, the passing of intense emotion. I was able to settle. I was able to see myself in my weakness and God in his strength. I could I could choose to trust him. I needed him. Here's what I learned. I went to the right person. Words tumbled out. And my God didn't turn away. Here's the invitation from the Apostle Peter. God cares for you, so turn all your worries over to him. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Here's the possible application. Maybe write your own psalm. Secondly, step into what you value, again, with God. Live by faith, where faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. The writer of Psalm 102 did that. He declared God's deliverance before it even happened. I did that day at my ottoman. Nothing changed in my circumstances while I was crying on that footstool, while I was crying out to our Lord, but settled in my body and settled then in my spirit. Verses came to mind, verses I'd memorized, verses that gave me hope, bolstered my faith. Here's one for you today. One from last week's teaching, one I have memorized this week for such a time as this. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. Just sit with that for a second. Slow down. Meditate on it. Chew it over and over in your head. Reread the words. Fixate on a couple of words. If you're like me, I go for the verbs. So immediately I went to hold and guide and take. Think about what this means for right now, you hold me when, right now, by my right hand. What does that look like? What could it look like in your life? You guide me with your counsel right now, moving forward, 
moving on. That's why we ask for wisdom. That's why James implores us to do that in James chapter 1. And afterwards, so like now, now, and moving forward into the near future, afterward though, you will take me into glory. There's a promise of something much better than what we are living right now. This will pass just as sure as the feelings passed when I was praying that day on my ottoman. So here's what I'm going to suggest. I'm going to suggest that we take some time, maybe 30 seconds right now, uh, to memorize it. Not that you're going to memorize it in 30 seconds, but to practice the habit. So it's useful sometimes to break the verse down into first, second, and third phrases. Do you hold me with, pardon me, you hold me by my right hand? That's the first phrase in the sequence of verses. You hold me by my right hand. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. You guide me with your counsel. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. And afterward, after all this time, after affliction, but also very good times too, you will take me to the best of time with you into glory. This is Psalm 73, verses 23 to 24. I would encourage you to memorize it. I would encourage you also to write your own psalm. And short of that, just to continually pour out honestly and openly with God, naming your losses, and then stepping into praying to him, but also being encouraged to live by faith, by hearing his word echoing in you by memory. Let's pray. Hmm. Father, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, who said to us, in this world, you're going to have trouble. It ain't that the truth. But take heart, he said. He's overcome the world. So as his kids, as Christians, as little Christs, we are able with his model and with the same resurrection power that raised him from death to life in us. Can be overcomers. Father, we pray uh, that you would give us wisdom through this season. Thank you for being always open to hearing our hearts and pouring out what it is that's on our minds. That you are always turned towards us favorably, even when we're angry with you, demanding of you, petulant with our prayers. And thank you that you answer. So we would choose to believe, like 
the psalmist here, that you are in control and that you will care for us as we cast our cares upon you. In Jesus' powerful and precious name I pray, amen. God bless. Grace and peace, Cedar Valley Church.